Welcome to Center Ice. It is late September, but I'm happy to be back in Ontario. We're recording our season preview episodes today. Really excited. We always enjoy these. And you know, it's September, the weather is a little cooler, and you know hockey's just right around the corner. Joining me as always is Matthew Mayard. Before we get into the season preview, let's just give a round of applause to Zidane O'Chara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel on great careers. These are three of the best defensemen. Chara obviously is, you know, way above the most games played all time, made a huge impact on hockey. But P.K. Subban, his own right, you know, great player, has donated, I believe, more than $10 million to different organizations and charities. We wish him all the best in his retirement, and I'm excited to see what he does. And Keith Yandel in particular... If you followed him early in his career when he was with the Arizona Coyotes, he was as good a defenseman as there was in the NHL. Fell off a little bit as he aged, but really great career. Obviously has that Iron Man streak. Pretty impressive. Three players. It's funny, they all chose to do it on the same day. It was a bit of a shock for especially our age, people that grew up watching these players. But you know what? It makes sense. I don't think it's going to be uncommon for players to retire earlier, as, no, as we've I, talked I, about. I don't think so either. I think that with the uh, amount of players that have seen the information on concussions and value their health and family life as well, I think that you're going to see players retiring by their mid-30s. You don't see a lot of players going into 40 anymore, that's for sure. That's becoming much more rare. If you're P.K. Subban, he, as you, I'm sure you saw during the playoffs, Mac, he was already doing a bit more of a media role, and I wouldn't be surprised if he steps into that. That's probably what his thoughts were. Zidane Chara is probably just going to enjoy life. He definitely deserves it. He was a steadfast defenseman for Ottawa, New York, Boston, Washington, he was always there. He was an amazing player on and off the ice. So it, we congratulate them all in their retirement. And I'll, I'll end on this, Mac. P.K. Subban, you know, you mentioned how Keith Yandel was really at the top of his game for his time. And we all know Zidane Ochara's record speaks for himself. But I'm sure you remember about 10 years ago, there was a, a five, six-year stretch where P.K. Subban was unmatched by anyone else. He was an electric player. He was a player that fans loved to hate if you weren't a Montreal Canadiens fan. He was a power play specialist. He had that wicked slap shot. He was a fun player to watch, even if his team and some of his antics as a Senators fan drove me nuts. So congratulations to all of them, and wish them the best in their retirement. Well, speaking of P.K. Subban, we heard that it was down to either Toronto or Montreal, and none of those teams were prepared to offer him a spot, so he decided to retire. So let's talk about the Atlantic Division. Some changes, obviously there's some big changes for the Ottawa Senators, but let's start at the top. Who do you see finishing at the top of this division, Matt? Yeah, I'm excited to see what Ottawa can do, but I think that this division is Toronto's to lose. Yes, Tampa is very good. But I, I look at how this division shakes out, and Tampa hasn't gotten stronger. They've gotten a bit weaker, and that, that's still complimenting them because they're a very good team. But I think Toronto's just that much better this year, Mac. And I think the only big question with Toronto at this point is we know they've got the offense. The defense is capable, 
The question, the two questions really are, can they play the full 60 minutes? And the big one, of course, is goaltending. And I, I think that the goaltending question will be answered fairly quickly. I don't think that Cal Dubas is going to wait very long if Murray or Samsonov uh, are not creating a quality tandem because he certainly seems to be on the hot seat. And that's almost what he implied when he was talking with the media earlier this week. He was saying to Sportsnet that uh, Shanahan hasn't offered him an extension. So obviously Shanahan's basically told Kyle Zubis, you know, get over to the first round hump this year or you're out. So a lot riding on this season for Kyle Dubas and especially the Leafs as a whole. I, I think it really comes down to goaltending. I think that the Leafs have the potential here, Max. We both know that Murray and Sam Sonoff can be really good goalies. We've seen flashes of brilliance for long stretches throughout their career. They both hit rough patches recently. And I think if you're uh, Sheldon Keefe, you run a good one-two tandem with them. You don't overplay either of them. You let them play to their strengths. The Leafs have great coaching. That's never been in doubt. They've got great goaltending and conditioning coaches. So I really do do hope Murray and Samsonov find their groove in Toronto. And if they can, I really do think that this is Toronto's division to lose. I'm with you on that one. And the one thing I want to point to when people say, oh, the goaltending is a question mark. People forget that last year in the second half of the season, Jack Campbell had a save percentage under 900. So, you know, he did what he could to stop the puck. And obviously he stepped his game up in the playoffs. But if you look at the broader picture, the Leafs probably played him a little bit too much. We've talked about how they haven't really had adequate backup goaltending but to be honest the Leafs goaltending last year was pretty messy because you had Campbell going through streaks when he was really good and when he was struggling you had Peter Mrazek who you signed for far too much money and thankfully you got rid of and then he had the two kids Eric Schalgren and Joseph Wall who probably should have been in the AHL but the Leafs were forced to use them because their other goalies were hurt or struggling but even with all that the Leafs still did as well as they did and there's no reason not to expect a step forward this year. You look at two guys like Murray and Samsonov. Samsonov, people forget, was a first-round pick. This guy was supposed to be a franchise goaltender. He may still be able to do that, but even if he's not able to do that, it's a one-year contract. It's low-risk, high-reward. And I agree with you. I think if Kyle Dubas and the coaching can say, let's just have a tandem of two guys. Let's play them, sort of play the hot hand. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think most teams, unless they have a premium number one who you know is going to play most of the games, that's what you should do. Absolutely. Well, let's move on down the list here. I think you and I both have consensus one and two on our standings here, Mac. So Leafs won, and I imagine Tampa number two for you as well? Yeah, Tampa's still number two because I have questions about the other teams in the division. Not that they're not good teams. It's just I wonder what the result is going to be. There's there's a lot of competition for that third or fourth spot, which I really like, actually. Oh, me too. Uh, absolutely. We'll get into that in a moment. But on the Tampa front, you know, it's pretty much... About the same roster as last year. Of course, they lost Palat to the Devils and McDonough to the Predators. But for the most part, the crew you saw last year is still there. And of course, Kucherov will be back this year. And hopefully he can stay healthy because he, he's a big part of that team. And he certainly, missing him was a, a big blow to Tampa in the regular season and the playoffs last year. So if he can stay healthy, Vazzy can put up more good numbers. This core that Tampa's got is still very, very good. Make no mistake. It may not be what it once was, 
But the Tampa, you, you definitely don't want to take them lightly. And I think Toronto and Tampa will be battling for number one. I still think Toronto will eke it out, but... Tampa, I think they'll get a solid second place. And number three, this is one that I had a lot of trouble with because I sort of bounced back and forth. I was like, okay, Florida, I kind of like what they did, but I also don't love what they did. You had Boston. They didn't do much other than bring back David Krejci. You had Ottawa make the moves they made, which I like, but they're still a little thin on defense. So I, I went back and forth, and I said, ultimately, in terms of regular season results, I feel like Florida is number three, but not by a lot. I do think Boston and Ottawa will be right up on their heels. Uh, I've got Ottawa at number three, but the same with you. Like I, I do question Ottawa in a lot of similar ways to Florida. You know, it's funny how... I wouldn't say these two teams are identical because I'd say Florida's a lot more tough, six-heavy than Ottawa. But when you, when you break it down, these two are in a pretty similar spot. You know, high octane, top six-heavy, goaltending isn't bad, but there are some question marks there. And then you look at the defense, and that's where the, the real questions come in. So uh, first we look at Florida, and really uh, you look at the offseason that Florida had I don't think it was all that successful of an offseason. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, sure, he's great to have, Mac. But when you give up Huberto and Uyghur and a pick to do it, I feel like that was a big overpayment. And Calgary is is running away to the bank with that one. So you're going to have to hope that Matthew Kachuk really steps up his game to another level we haven't seen yet. And don't get me wrong, Matthew Kachuk's a great player. We saw flashes of brilliance constantly in Calgary. So we know he's a good player, but is he a player that's good enough to give up your best defenseman and one of your best forwards? I don't think so. So Florida is really shallow on defense. I still have questions about Knight and Bobrovsky. I hope that they can do better. But really, once you get past the top six in Florida, to me, it's a big drop-off. And it really is a question of... What's Florida going to do when they can't score goals? Because I think even more than last year, Mac, if they can't score goals, they aren't going to win games. Yeah, and you mentioned the thin defense, but the offense is also pretty thin too, right? It's not what it once was. Marchment moved on to Dallas, and you just look at that team right now and you say, you know, how can they win games? Well, if Spencer Knight can really step up and maybe form a good tandem with Bobrovsky, that that could be the thing that helps this team get to where they want to be. But it's just such a weirdly assembled team. You went from having all this depth. You know, we remember talking about how much depth Florida had in previous years and draft picks and prospects. And now what do you have? You don't have any prospects. You have very few draft picks. And you're basically all in to win with this kind of weird mix of players and not a lot of depth. And it's been proven in years before that that just doesn't work. You need to have a quality defense. You can't just run Aaron Eckblad and a bunch of other guys out there and expect to win the Stanley Cup. This is their direction, and this is what they've chosen to do, and they've locked up Matt Kachuk. They feel like he's the missing piece. I don't personally agree, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Florida is going to be a fascinating team to watch this year because the expectations that are there. But Florida to me, Mac is a team that really could finish anywhere between, I'd say even as low as six and maybe up to two. They really are that type of team. And there's a lot of questions about Florida, but there's a lot of teams, I think, like that, where 
we aren't 100% sure what we're going to get from them. You know, Ottawa, Detroit, and Boston still to come. These are teams that have the potential to make it all the way up to three, but also have the uh, potential to really end up towards the bottom of the division. That's what makes the Atlantic so exciting this year because no one's really sure. We, We like to say we have an idea, but... This division is up for grabs, and it is exciting. So, speaking of Boston, let's move on to Boston. And, you know, same old, same old for the most part in B-Town. And that's not a bad thing, you know. I think having Krejci back may help a little bit, but, you know, he's not the player he once was, Mac. And I think that Pasternak, you know, he's going to do what he does. You've got Marshawn, you know what he's going to do. The gang's all here in Boston. It may not be as young and vibrant as it once was, but we know what Boston is capable of. And it really comes down to, uh, you know, how far can that top talent take them? So I think Boston's still a team in decline, but they're still one of those teams that could absolutely push for the playoffs. I think that they're going to be fighting with teams like Detroit, Ottawa, and Florida for those uh, coveted spots. So... Boston's it's not going to be an easy road to the playoffs for them like it has been in years past, but Boston is still a formidable team, and I wouldn't take them lightly. Absolutely. To me, Boston is kind of a sure thing in terms of what you expect is what you're going to get. I know Bruce Cassidy moved on to Vegas, but this is a team that has played with great structure. They have a really good group on defense. The goaltending, I think, will be better. Allmark had his struggles last year. Swayman is still a young goaltender, but a lot of upside between those two. You know, I think if if the Bruins focus on this season only and they sort of put everything else in the rearview mirror, you know, does David Krejci come back next year? Does David Pasternak sign long-term? Who knows? Does Bergeron return after next year? Does he retire? They're the type of team that's going to put all those questions behind them and focus on this season. They're a professional team. I'm confident in saying that this is still a playoff team. I would be surprised if they're not. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I I, I question whether they'll be a playoff team in a couple of years from now. But this year, I really don't question. I think that they'll be in, in the 3-4 range. It's just a matter of whether that's a 3 spot or a 4 spot. I've got them in 4 so that's to me that's still playoffs. I think it's going to be five teams from the Atlantic this year. So that that's still a pretty good spot for Boston. And Boston's a team that they get into the playoffs. We've seen this before, Mac, and they can make some serious noise. So Boston, another team that people really shouldn't underestimate. It's sort of like Pittsburgh, you know. At this point, what you see, you know what you're going to get, as you say, Mac. So moving on to, I think the team that really made all the big splash moves this offseason. Really unexpected from Ottawa because, you know, in previous seasons, Mac, you and I would come in, do our season preview and say, boy, Ottawa really didn't do much of anything over the offseason. But if Ottawa sort of did everything over the offseason, except I think the number one thing they needed to do, and of course there's still time, but I think the defense, that's the big question with Ottawa. We know they can score goals, Mac. We know that guys like Stutzel, Debrinket, Kachuk, Giroux, these guys can score. But after you pass Shabbat, Zub, and Sanderson, the defense really drops off in Ottawa. I have a couple questions about Talbot and Forsberg as a tandem, but I think that they, they're serviceable. 
But in terms of defense, yikes. Yeah, and, and I think this is not an uncommon plan for teams because sometimes, you know, you've drafted all these players and you're hoping that some of them are going to be ready. And it turns out you have more forwards than defense. You're a little thin on defense. So you sort of form a game plan. Okay, we need to play good enough defense and get good enough goaltending to win. And we feel confident we can outscore teams. That's basically what the Colorado Avalanche said when they let go of Darcy Kemper and they brought in Alex Georgiev, and they also let go of some other players. They're confident that they can outscore anyone, and <laughs> I'm pretty confident too. So, <laughs> yeah, the the additions are great. I mean, Alex Sabrinkat, Cam Talbot, Claude Giroux, these are exciting players that Ottawa has now in their market, and I believe that um, Pierre Dorian, as far as I'm concerned, he was held back by Eugene Melnick, but you're seeing what he's capable of just in this last sort of four or five months. And I think what he's thinking is, okay, if I go into the season with this team and they start off well, because oftentimes what does Ottawa in is a really bad start to the season. So if they can start well, and if you're sort of hanging around where you want to be close to a playoff spot at the trade deadline, maybe that's where you make those moves for those defensemen. You know, if you do your scouting and you look around the league, you can find players for not that much. So maybe that's what he's thinking. But there are questions. To me, I'm more excited than not. And to me, this is a team that's going to be sort of close to Detroit or Boston. And it's going to be such a fun Atlantic division this year. Oh, absolutely. And well, as I said a few minutes ago, Mac, I've got them as high as three, but I could see them as low as five. They're going to end up somewhere in that range, I think. And I think that they they could very well be a playoff team this year. I think it really depends on how strong the Metro is. And they're a team that they get in. I don't think they go deep in the playoffs, not at this point. But they'd be a very fun team to see get into the playoffs. Maybe, a, maybe we finally get a renewed battle of Ontario in the playoffs at long last. That'd be cool to see. But it's exciting times in Ottawa. As an Ottawa fan, I'm very much excited and looking forward to the future. I still am skeptical as you are, Mac. I'm not a blind fan here, but it's fun. We've ha we finally have some hope and some optimism on this team after five, six long years. So great times in Ottawa, and I think Detroit's got a similar feelings going into this season, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, they had quietly a very good off season. They had a lot of cap space. So they brought in David Perron, you know, proven leader, goal scorer, Stanley Cup winner, and also Vili Husso from the Blues. Good young goaltender. I think Alex Nadelkovic showed that maybe he's not ready to be a full-time starter, but there's no reason Husso and Nadelkovic can't be a good tandem, or maybe Husso takes over. Either way, your goaltending is in a pretty good spot. And then you've got Andrew Kopp, you know, Oli Mata, Ben Sherratt. And Jacob Vrana, if he can stay healthy, you saw what he was able to do when they acquired him originally from the Capitals. I still think he's got a lot of upside. And, you know, Dylan Larkin just continues to improve year after year. And you've got two rookies that I'm keeping an eye on. One is Edvinson and the other is Soderblom. Soderblom is a massive human being. I believe he's about 6'8", and he's a centerman. But he's got great hands, and he skates well. And uh, Edmondson is also quite massive <laughs> and potentially.
actually will make the team and provide hopefully a similar impact to what Moritz Sider provided last year. But if you guys haven't heard us gush about Moritz Sider, this kid is unbelievable. He's already one of the best defensemen in the league, and he doesn't just do it on offense. He is an elite defender and an elite play driver. I am very excited to see more of Moritz Sider this year, Mac. But you knew that. <laughs> you know that full well. I'm looking forward to seeing Detroit again this year. As I said, <clears throat> excuse me, very similar situation to Ottawa where they've had a good offseason. They're a team on the upswing. There's still a few questions about depth and experience and goaltending. But just like Ottawa, you can see all the all the important pieces are there. And it's just a question of how big of a step are they going to make this year. And, of course, he's got Steve Yeiserman. And I see Detroit doing a similar thing to Ottawa, Mac, where if they find themselves sort of within striking distance of a playoff spot, Steve Yeiserman, he he's one of those guys that isn't afraid to make, I wouldn't say Super Bowl moves at the deadline because he's not, the, he's not a stupid GM like other GMs you and I have talked about in the past. But he'll make bold and smart decisions to really bolster his team that won't jeopardize his future. So Detroit, to me, is one of those uh, sleeper teams where if they feel as though they're in a position with their current core to make a shot and a run towards the playoffs, I think that they could do it. So Ottawa, Detroit, those are the two wild card teams for me, Mac. We both know the potential is there. The question is, how much are they going to live up to it? And I am very excited to see these two teams play this year. Absolutely. So let's move on to Buffalo. This is, I think they could have a good year, but they're still pretty young. And I think we have to lower our expectations a little bit, right? There's no guarantees that they repeat what they did last year. They didn't do a lot to improve. They're sort of on the course. They're like, okay, this is the group we have. I think Buffalo is a team that you're going to see really improve, not this year, but the following year and following years after that. They've got a great group of prospects. J.J. Paterka lit up the AHL last year, and he's an exciting young prospect, and they've got a whole lot more coming. But it's not right now. The one thing I can say about Buffalo is they're well-coached, they're competitive, they don't throw away games, so they are still fun to watch, and they've got a lot of young talent. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. And I think Buffalo is one of those teams that they're going to fight night in and night out. You're not going to get a free win from Buffalo like you did in the past. I'm very happy to see Craig Anderson is coming back for another year. He was very good in Buffalo last year. He didn't get enough credit for what he was able to do in net for Buffalo last year. So it's good to see him back in front of a slightly better team. You know, it's good to see Tage Thompson signing and staying around, but... I think you and I have similar thoughts to the Thompson signing here, Mac, where he's a good player, but unlike the Tim Stutzel contract, which is fairly similar, I feel like Thompson is a bit more of a gamble, and of course it could absolutely pay off, and I hope for Buffalo's sake it does, but it is a bit of a risk, and that's a lot of cap space that that contract may be taking up down the road. So I'm kind of iffy on that one, but we'll see. Buffalo, I think we're going to see fairly similar to what they were last year. They're going to be a fighting team. They're going to be a team you can't get a free win from. And I think that teams shouldn't underestimate them. Does that mean they're going to be pushing for playoffs? No. But I do think 
you're going to see improvement from them this year. And I think you're going to see them uh, even potentially make a couple moves like they did last year, ditching Eichel. And of course, that one was a bit of a forced move. But it, it just shows that Buffalo isn't afraid to make some bolder moves. They aren't afraid to improve sooner rather than later. And uh, the big hope I have, Mac, is that the Pagulas see their other Buffalo franchise and give them some much-needed love. Because it's great to see the Bills doing well, but it'd be fun to see the Sabres doing well, too. Yeah, for sure. Now we go to the bottom of the division, and this wasn't even close for either of us. It was <laughs> no. unanimous, and that is the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, Montreal. It really, what is there to say about Montreal at this point, Mac? We... We, we've beaten the, the horse so hard at this point. And I think, uh, look, Montreal, what is there to say about Montreal other than they're a work in progress? And <laughs> he's got Ken Hughes has got a lot of work ahead of him. But there still are some good pieces there, Mac. You know, I, I like Cole Caulfield. He got given the cap. And you and I have been fans of Nick Suzuki for a while. So there's some good pieces there. But... By and large, it's going to be a rough season for Montreal. You know, they're going to be in the conversation for Bedard, no doubt. And it'll be interesting to see what Ken Hughes does over the next couple seasons. Because he he sort of has gone scorched earth here. Except for the important prospects slash young players that he's got. And he's trying to shed salary. He's trying to... He's trying to build from scratch, and it takes time. But Montreal, you know, they've got deep pockets over there at the Molson family, so they will make sure that he has got all the resources and money that he needs. It's just it's going to take a while, and Montreal, I I seriously wonder if they're going to be last place. There's a few teams that I think have the potential to be last place in the league this year. Montreal is definitely one of them. Oh, yeah, and, and he knows that. He understands what they are, unlike previous GMs they've had, where he says, okay, I'm going into the year, I've got a young team, I've got to try and get rid of some of these bigger contracts, maybe at the trade deadline, I don't know, maybe a guy like Joel Armia is of interest to teams, you know? He's basically playing for the long haul, and that's what he should do. And it's a slow process, like you mentioned. So I do think they're going to play better under Martin St. Louis. That's not a question, but... Are they anywhere close to the other teams above them? No, they're not. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We're glad to be back. We're hoping to get back on a more regular schedule moving forward. We're still aiming for two episodes a month, and we're confident we can do that for all of you. So you know where to find us. We're on every podcast platform. Just look for the white, blue, and red logo. Center Ice is presented by the National Podcast Network, and you can follow us on Twitter at Center Ice Radio. Enjoy the season, guys. We're all really excited. You should be too. Take care. Stay safe. Have fun. Fun. <laughs>